Hello, my name is Shane Snedeker, and I am here to host Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? On this podcast, I deliver some sanity in a world that is becoming more and more insane. Do you ever feel like things you're seeing and the world you're experiencing bear no resemblance to the world you once knew? Well, you're not alone. Join me on this podcast for a dose of stabilizing common sense and rationality. I will do my best to counterbalance the craziness in our lives by analyzing social and political issues, conducting respectful and open free speech dialogues, and trying to extend some lighthearted fun your way. I hope you'll be encouraged and return for more episodes. Hey guys, I'm excited to share the most recent episode of my podcast with you. I just want to give you a preface that... This episode turned out to be so long that I'm breaking it into two separate episodes, a two-part series beginning this week. And I'll release the second part where I have my very first interview next week. So I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the fourth installment of my new podcast. You guys got to be careful. You're running the risk of becoming regular listeners followers, subscribers. I appreciate you being here with me today. I started this podcast with the goal of discussing the crazy things that are going on in the world and attempting to deliver some analysis that may help us remain, you know, grounded in our perspectives about these kinds of things and our place in the world with respect to these things. One of the greatest activities of a free society is the pursuit of open, respectful dialogue about controversial topics. This is such an important endeavor that the framers of this great country made it the very first amendment in our constitution. This is one of the things that has made our country so great. Freedom of speech and healthy debate and deliberation is a hallmark of freedom. And so today for the first time on my podcast, I'm going to be inviting a guest to join me for an engaging conversation about a controversial topic. I hope that through this conversation, both sides of a truly controversial topic will be well represented and my listeners will be able to leave this episode with a much clearer idea of how someone who sits on the other side of the aisle on a pertinent cultural issue approaches the issue, which should help us grow and respect for others who are different from us and gain an appreciation for the different people and perspectives in our lives. And I do want to say that it's really important to me that this podcast is open and transparent. If I reference a statistic or fact in one of my episodes, I will do my best to include the citation, article, or study that I use to make that reference in the show notes. Please feel free to peruse the show notes after my episodes to try to find the references for the different political, social, or religious facts that I discuss. And if there's something that you are questioning that I haven't cited in the show notes, please do not hesitate to email me and I will certainly let you know where my thoughts or proclamations were coming from. Okay, great. So before I introduce my guest, I'd love to give you a little bit of a backstory that will hopefully help provide an introduction to the topic that I'm going to be discussing today. You may have noticed that I have intentionally not discussed COVID or vaccines yet on this podcast. I haven't wanted to focus only on those things right off the bat. 
And I don't want to allow those kinds of topics to monopolize this podcast because I understand that it is already such a ubiquitous issue that's that we're constantly inundated by and surrounded by. And I also know that there are plenty of other topics to engage in that will be constructive and beneficial for us. However, I do think that it can be valuable to address these kinds of issues in a sensitive, balanced way. So today I'm going to delicately approach the issue of vaccines. I know how inflammatory this issue has become and I don't do this lightly. My goal is to navigate the topic carefully, respectfully, and in a way that isn't disparaging of anyone, no matter how you feel about the issue. All right, so let's return to the beginning of how my perspective on vaccines originated. In the beginning, I, you know, I come from a large family. I have 10 brothers and sisters. My parents were divorced, and so those siblings were split between two households. At my mom and stepfather's house, I had four sisters, and at my dad and stepmom's house, I had two sisters and three brothers. And then my brother Travis and I, we spent the weeks together at my mom's house, and then on the weekends, we'd be at my dad's house. And so I grew up in a family that was fully vaccinated. All of my siblings received all the shots. I didn't think much of it. I don't actually even really, you know, most of the shots I received, I was too young to remember. Um, But I do remember as a teenager having to get the series of hepatitis shots, and no kid likes to receive shots, but it wasn't you know, a traumatic thing or anything like that. And to be honest, well into my adult years, I didn't really think much of it. You just, you're told that this is what you need to do because it, you know, curbs disease and and this is just what you need to do. And so my mother and my stepmother, you know, believed that their doctors were, had their best interest in mind and had all of, you know, me and my siblings vaccinated. However, I do remember growing up hearing stories of family members who had had issues with vaccines. You know, I was a young boy and in my own world, and so I honestly didn't pay much attention to those stories at the time. But, you know, I remember one of my cousins just being different than the rest of my siblings and cousins. She struggled with sensory issues, and I remember my aunt telling me that she had what was called Asperger's. And, you know, again, as a boy, I didn't have any idea what that meant. I just knew that my cousin was a little bit different. I had another cousin who I remember hearing when I was a teenager that she had died after taking the Gardasil vaccine. But that was, I really didn't really talk to my aunt and uncle on those issues. Um, I didn't really seek out more information about it. I just, the, the fact that those things had happened were in the back of my head. So then let's fast forward to meeting Carissa and starting the dating process with her. And I know at some point she asked me, she brought up the topic of vaccines, and she said that her first child, Grace, from her previous marriage was not vaccinated. And she asked me what I thought about that. And, you know, to me, I was just in love. And so I didn't, I wasn't going to let any issue like vaccines get in the way of continuing to be in a relationship with Carissa. And so I'm sure at the time I just said, yeah, that's, it's all good if, if the Lord blesses us with children, we don't have to vaccinate them. And I didn't put much thought into it other than that. So then we get married and, you know, Carissa's dad is somebody who has put several years into researching this topic. And so as time went on, um, listening to him and 
reading articles and studies and you know research materials that he has sent me and then actually engaging in the process of actually researching myself i have developed a much clearer understanding of this issue and really began to peel back the layers of what's really going on in the world of childhood vaccines and this began with carissa and my father-in-law and some of the things that they poured into my life, but really it's kind of taken on a life of its own in my life um, because it's a deep rabbit hole. And the more you actually are willing to have an honest mind about it, the more you find. <laughs> and it takes some digging and it takes some some real intellectually honest researching, but the truth is out there if you're willing to really look. And so I, I guess the bottom line would be vaccines aren't as safe as the powers that be would have us to would have us believe. So as I'm developing that awareness, I decided to talk to my mom about this issue and and I started the conversation by asking her a simple question. I said, "Mom, back when, you know, my siblings and I were growing up and it came time to vaccinate, can you tell me about that decision?" And she just said it really wasn't much of a decision. They just said that it was what needed to be done at certain checkups, and and so we did it. Then I said, so mom, at any point, did you ask them why, or did you think about why we were doing that? And she said, no, I just trusted the doctor that that is what we were supposed to be doing. And it has really made me think about how much trust we put in our doctors. And rightfully so. I mean, they are experts in a field that is crucial to helping people on a path to wellness. But And so as I started to talk to my mom and open up to her some of the things I had been learning about the dangers of vaccines, I found that she exhibited a reaction that is not unlike the reaction I get from many people on this topic. She was resistant to want to believe it. And I think it's one of those things, there isn't a more serious decision that we can make than that of medical decisions for our children that we believe are giving them the best opportunity towards health and giving them the best shot at being a successful, healthy member of society. And so for so many people, I think this is a really tough subject because once you've already made that decision, you're invested in it. And to even open your mind to the thought of vaccines being dangerous, in a sense, you have to admit that there's a chance that you were not having the full story when you made that decision. And that's a really tough decision to make. But I have since been able to educate my mom and she is on the same page as us now. And she totally realizes that that to a certain degree, there was a blind trust, a blind faith that she put in the doctor. And, you know, if you really think about it, that can be a scary thing. So then I wanted to explore this topic a little further. And I decided to call up my aunt whose daughter had Asperger's and my other uncle whose stepdaughter had passed away from Gardasil. And I decided to get the full story, the full version of their stories. And I was shocked. My cousin went in for her two-year-old shots right around her second birthday in 1987. And 
and she received three shots and an oral polio vaccine all in the same day. Before they even returned home with her, she had developed a high-grade fever. The fever persisted on and off for a full week, getting up into the 104 degree range. And my aunt said that she would she would feel like she had gotten the fever to break, and then it would spike back up. My cousin was never the same after that. She developed severe Asperger's. The saddest part for, for me, as I hear my aunt talk about the process, is she was not really heard by her doctors. They basically just said that fever could be a cause of the, you know, could be caused by the vaccine, but it also isn't guaranteed that it was. And there's really nothing that we can do for you. And, you know, as time wore on and the pressure and burden of caring for a child who is struggling from a autoimmune disease like that, um, it became a really significant thing in my aunt and uncle's family and has been very difficult on them. And it definitely radically changed the trajectory of my cousin's life. My cousin is the same age as me. We're a couple months apart. And so we're 37 years old. So this was 35 years ago. And just this was just a few years ago that I called and had this discussion with my aunt. And I brought up to her the vaccine injury compensation program and asked her if she knew about that or the vaccine adverse event reporting system, VAERS, asked her if she knew about that. And no one anywhere along the way informed her about those resources that are available to families with vaccine injured children. So that she was really just left in the shadows to deal with the situation. So it was really sad. Then I called my uncle and discussed his situation. And he was dating a woman. Um, I believe they were engaged. And this woman had had a child from a previous relationship. She was a perfectly healthy young lady. She had never drank alcohol or done drugs. She was very active in school. She had just graduated high school. She was 19 years old. And her doctors pressured her to have her daughter vaccinated with Gardasil. So she trusted her doctor's advice and had her daughter vaccinated. And 41 days later, she was out for a run and developed severe blood clots and fell over and died. And what's interesting is the Journal of American Medicine had done a meta-analysis of Gardasil vaccine reactions previously. And one of the top reactions was thrombocytopenic events, otherwise known as blood clots. And they determined that the average length of period of time after receiving the vaccine that these happened was 41 and a half days. And the average age was 20 years old. So my uncle and her, his girlfriend and daughter were not made aware of those issues were not made aware of those safety signals. They were just told that they needed to get her vaccinated with Gardasil. And she was right in the demographic that, and you know, it was, she was literally, she was 19 years old and 41 days after receiving the vaccine, she went out for a run and was killed by blood clots. And again, the worst part of this story was my uncle says that Merck, was the 
pharmaceutical company manufacturer of Gardasil, they basically just bullied my uncle and his his girlfriend and did not claim any responsibility. They denied that um, the issue was related to the vaccine, and they basically just bullied them off into the shadows. And my uncle says, I know if I had enough money, I would have been able to get get some compensation, but they didn't have enough money. And I think I, I can't say this for certain without confirming with my uncle, but I definitely feel like that issue led to their eventual breakup and he is no longer together with that woman. So a couple tragic things that have happened in my family, you know, and I didn't, again, I didn't pay attention to these things until I started researching vaccines and hearing, you know, allowing my mind to, to really realize what's going on. And then, you know, when I went back to Whitworth five years ago, I returned to school. There were some vaccines that I was supposed to get. And as a part of filing a an exemption, I had to go to my doctor and have him approve an exemption. So I went to my family doctor. He had been my doctor my entire life. And I sat down with him and we had a discussion about why I wanted to be exempt. And I started to bring up some of the things that I had been researching. And again, this is me six years ago. So I wasn't nearly as confident or well-researched as I am today. And I'm going to talk to my family doctor who had been my family doctor my entire life. So I was really intimidated. And I stammered quite a bit. And I wasn't as well-spoken as I wished I could have been. And he basically just bullied me. But you know what's interesting about my interaction with that doctor is he didn't tell me one fact that would lead me to believe that his stance for vaccines is anything other than a narrative that he has been stubbornly holding for his professional career. My doctor's main reasoning why I'm wrong about not wanting to get the vaccines that Whitworth wanted me to get was that him he, he has 10 children, and like four of them are doctors, medical doctors. And his main reasoning was that him and his four doctor children, the smartest people he knows, all believe in them. He literally, he literally was basically like, you're not educated, and my, me and my family are educated, and we believe in them. So you need to get the vaccines. And I'm not exaggerating. Like, he didn't obviously say it in those words, but that is, that is what came across. That is what he was saying. He didn't give me any scientific reasoning to support why I'm wrong in not in wanting to not get the vaccines. He did end up signing the personal exemption, which I was surprised, but he did so only after making me feel like I was two inches tall for for wanting that exemption. And so I guess, you know, before I introduce my guest, I just want to go over a few of the facts that I have discovered throughout this journey of really starting to question vaccines and starting to open my mind to the whole universe of, you know, drama and research that goes into understanding the vaccine industry. So I'm going to just go through a few of the facts. Number one, the pharmaceutical industry makes over $60 billion a year on vaccines alone. Number two, this last year will certainly be much more profitable than that for pharma. In fact, the COVID-19 vaccine gold rush has generated 
nine new billionaires from within the major COVID-19 vaccine companies. Number three, pharma owns the media. Comcast, AT&T, Viacom, CBS, Sony, Walt Disney, and Fox all have pharmaceutical representatives on their boards and receive major funding from these pharma big pharmaceutical companies. Just pay attention the next time you're watching network television. You will inevitably see a commercial for some pharmaceutical drug. They're everywhere. And the influence and power that pharma wields over the major media companies and what is broadcasted on these stations is massive. Number four, in 1986, pharmaceutical companies complained to the U.S. government that being liable for vaccine injuries was costing too much money and was going to prevent them from being profitable. The U.S. government subsequently passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, which effectively shifted the responsibility of vaccine safety to the Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and completely removed all liability of adverse vaccine effects from the pharmaceutical manufacturers. If your child is injured by a vaccine, you literally cannot sue the vaccine manufacturer. Rather, as a part of this act, a national vaccine injury compensation program was set up. This is essentially just an allotment of money that the government sets aside to pay off the families of vaccine injured children. While they have made proving vaccine injury incredibly difficult to the point that roughly two thirds of all claims made to the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program are denied, they have still paid out over $4 billion since 1986 to the families of vaccine injured children. And that's pretty insane considering they cap the amount a family can receive at $250,000, even if their child dies from a vaccine. This fact alone is extremely detrimental to the overall safety profile of vaccines because any legitimate motivation that Big Pharma has at making vaccines safe is removed. Number five, there have been scientific studies that have verified that the CDC and HHS have no interest in making reports of vaccine injury more accurate or comprehensive and that indicate that adverse vaccine reactions are greatly underreported. Number six, ever since 1986, when pharma's liability was removed, the CDC childhood vaccine schedule has gone, has gone from about 15 doses of five vaccines to 75 doses of 16 vaccines. Number seven, not one of the 16 vaccines that are on the current CDC childhood vaccine schedule has ever been tested in a randomized controlled placebo trial. Also, the testing that has been completed for the childhood vaccines has all been isolated. There's not one study that has ever been conducted to test how combining different vaccines into one administration affects a child. And we frequently in this country give children multiple vaccinations together in one sitting without any legitimate verification that that endeavor is safe. Number eight, I've heard from many medical doctors as I've watched hundreds of hours of doctors and scientists discussing this issue over the last several years that over the course of an eight-year medical degree, a doctor will receive less than a day of education on vaccines. While we assume that our doctors are experts on the composition of vaccines and the effects that they have on the human body, 
That just simply isn't true. Number nine, our children simply aren't healthier today than they were in 1986. The CDC reports a current rate of one in 68 children have autism today, which is up from one in 88 in 2008, and more than double the rate in 2000 when one in 150 children had autism. In the 1980s, the instance rate of autism was about one in 10,000. So we've been on an exponential curve ever since we introduced more vaccines into the childhood vaccine schedule in the 1980s. And medical therapists do not see this trend changing anytime soon. Also, over 10% of U.S. children have been diagnosed with ADHD. Food allergies have been skyrocketing in the U.S. for the last several decades. According to the CDC, food allergies in children have gone up by more than 50% since the 1980s. According to a CDC report in 2013, somewhere between 13 and 20% of children under 18 years old living in the U.S. are experiencing some form of mental disorder. We're just simply not getting healthier. Our children are getting sicker and sicker. And number 10, the CDC has covered up data that indicates a relationship between vaccines and autism and intentionally destroyed the evidence. So I think I'm going to leave it right there. There really is so many more facts that I have discovered on my journey that I could share. There's a ton of evidence that pharma is in bed with our public health agencies and exhibits significant influence over medical providers and practitioners. I could literally spend the rest of this episode and more episodes reviewing the endless amount of shady things surrounding Big Pharma. The lawsuits that they have lost in the billions for knowingly killing people. The immense conflicts of interest that take place amongst agencies. The way that our government has bended to their every beckoning call. But I don't believe that that would be the best way to spend our time. And I really don't want to get too far in the weeds I just wanted, by way of introducing my conversation that I'm going to have with somebody who does believe in vaccines, I wanted to establish where I'm at, give an overview of the journey I've been on. I'm really not trying to be controversial. I want to make sure you guys know, all of my listeners, I want them to feel welcome to take part in this conversation. If I say anything or anything gets said in this episode that is controversial or you take issue with, please email me. I'd love to chat with you. And again, I'm really not trying to be inflammatory. I just think it's important to talk about these kinds of issues. But you know, to make it personal, for Carissa and I, the proof has been in the pudding, so to speak. There's so much risk involved in having children. With regards to vaccines, if you don't vaccinate, you run the risk of your child catching one of the diseases that the childhood vaccines are meant to shield from. If you make the decision to vaccinate your children, you run the risk of having them experience an adverse vaccine reaction. With either choice, there is risk. Carissa and I chose to trust in the amazing, relentless immune system that God endowed our children with and not give them any of the childhood vaccines. To us, it is very obvious the level of mental acuity, alertness, focus, and overall health of our children. While we are not oblivious to the fact that anything can happen at any time, 
and we thank God for their health and we don't take for granted the health that they do have, it is a fact that many of the children in our bubble who struggle with illness, autoimmune illness, mental illness, and other physical infirmities are those who have had the full CDC childhood vaccine schedule. I discuss this not to disparage anyone at all for the personal health decisions they've made, but because I am extremely passionate about this issue. I'm extremely passionate about children. I want our children to be healthy. I want a society of healthy children. I want to push you to deeply think about this. I really think, and I believe with all of my heart, that the CDC and Big Pharma is lying to us, you guys. And the more I research this and seek out advice from doctors who are willing to go against pharma's narrative, the more I am finding agreement from medical professionals. I also want to say that I fully understand that we all arrive at our stance on vaccines in our own journey. I absolutely do not judge anyone for their stance on vaccines. It's a very sensitive, personal decision, and I fully support the idea that we all should have the liberty to arrive at our personal beliefs on this issue on our own, in our own comfortability. I absolutely do not discuss my personal beliefs today in order to disparage those of you who have chosen to vaccinate yourself or your children. That is definitely not my intention. I just want to be able to be open and honest about real life issues. I am a fallible human, very open to growth and desiring to be relentlessly sharpening my beliefs. I have discovered that there are fringe groups on both polar extremes of this vaccine debate. I've seen crazy, uneducated, conspiracy theory type anti-vaxxers who follow mysterious YouTube videos for their beliefs on vaccines. They show no commitment or reverence for the science whatsoever, but rather just perpetuate unsubstantiated claims and catchy controversial talking points. And on the other end of the spectrum, I have personally experienced staunchly pro-vaccine followers tell me that I should be thrown in jail for not vaccinating my children, that I should go return back under the prehistoric rock that I crawled out from, that anti-vaxxers' lives have no value because we are devastating humanity with our conspiracy theories. I prefer to not give either extreme much of my time or energy. However, to the majority of people, to everyone else, to you and I, I want to say that I sincerely believe with all my heart that we all have come to where we are on this issue out of an authentic desire to achieve the highest level of health for ourselves and our loved ones. I know that, generally speaking, we all just want the best for the people in our charge, and we also respect the decisions that other people make on vaccines. To be totally honest, if it wasn't for Carissa, I would have likely never questioned vaccines. I don't think I would have had any reason to think twice about vaccine safety. Like my mom and stepmom, I would have just followed the medical recommendations of my children's doctor and had my kids vaccinated. For me, it really took someone who was much more knowledgeable about the issue than me and who was someone that I trusted and respected speaking into my life for me to break out of the societal tendency to fall in line and follow the narrative. I did find, though, that once I gave my mind that liberty, it prompted an unending pursuit of truth that I am still very much engaged in to this day. I would say that I invest at least three hours a week listening to experts and researching this issue and I have been doing this now for multiple years. It is from this transparent, sincere, passionate place that this episode comes today. 
So I think that's a good enough intro into my stance on this issue. I'd like to transition into a discussion with someone who sits on the opposite side of the aisle on this topic for me. Specifically, let's move this discussion towards the real hot topic in our society, the COVID-19 vaccines. We're living in a time when many people are facing a vaccine mandate. In New York, you cannot participate in public society without showing proof of having received the COVID-19 vaccine. Many other locations have already implemented a similar vaccine passport program or are moving in that direction. As many of you know, the President of the United States has already announced a vaccine mandate for all federal workers and for all employees who work for businesses with more than 100 people. This is the number one trending topic in the country. 23 fire district precincts in New York have had to shut down because firefighters are being terminated for refusing the shot. A couple of airlines have canceled dozens of flights due to staffing issues related to vaccine mandates. Thousands of nurses have been fired for refusing the shot. It's everywhere. And this is a hot item on the docket today. So let's talk to someone who may be able to enlighten me a little more to the pro-vaccine side of the issue. All right, guys. Return next week for my friendly, respectful conversation about this issue. Love you guys. Have a great day.